I just see those assumptions as not fair. Not only does that diminish the, um, the people in that disadvantaged group, but we as a society as a whole lose out because um, we're not getting the benefits of the contributions that people with disabilities, people from culturally and linguistically different backgrounds, uh, women, uh, GLBTIQ people can make to the community if we, if we didn't make those assumptions. People could not understand how a person who was blind could operate as a lawyer. And, and obviously, um, you know, that constitutes discrimination. And as well as that, I'm part of a rainbow family. So for all of those reasons, I think that um, Zero Discrimination Day is very important. Graham Innes has witnessed discrimination up close. He's also spent his career and a whole lot of his life trying to dismantle it. To mark Zero Discrimination Day, CQ University's How to Change a Life podcast is hearing from one of Australia's human rights trailblazers. I'm Mary Bowling from CQ Communications, and I'm speaking today with new CQ University Chancellor and former Australian Human Rights Commissioner, Graham Innes AM. In the spirit of reconciliation, CQ University recognises this episode was recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Durumbal people in Rockhampton and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation in Melbourne. We pay respects to Elders past and present and their life-changing connection to country and culture. Well, hello, my name's Graham Innes. I'm Chancellor of uh, Central Queensland University. Um, I was... Uh, invested uh, in that role in December last year. But um, prior to that and ongoing, uh, I'm a human rights lawyer, human rights advocate, and I was a commissioner at the um, at the Australian Human Rights Commission uh, for about a decade. One of the things that I did while I was at the commission was led the same-sex, same-entitlements inquiry, which recommended to government the change to almost 100 laws which discriminated against people on the basis of their sexual orientation. So um, this is an issue uh, in which I'm very much invested and uh, an issue close to my heart. And uh, and as well as that, I'm part of a rainbow family. So, you know, I, I and, and I have many uh, friends in that group of people. So for all of those reasons, I think that um, zero Discrimination Day is very important. Thank you for all that good work. Uh, firstly, Graham, and yeah, as you've said, you, you've spent really uh, not just those achievements, but your career and your lifetime fighting discrimination. I'd love to take you back to the start of that journey. If you can remember a time when you made a decision that discrimination wasn't just going to be something that you would experience and suffer, but something you'd actually stand up to and, and work to end? Well, um, I got through most of my life and through university with um, very little experience of personal experience of discrimination. So, I mean, I knew what discrimination was. Um, I, I did a law degree, so I understand those processes. Um, but I hadn't really experienced it myself. Uh, as a person with a disability, or not in a way that it resonated with me. Um, I'd had situations where, um, you know, I felt unhappy maybe about treatment, but I didn't really um, consciously see it as discrimination. So the first time I 
I ran into the, the wall of discrimination was after I finished university um, when um, I wanted to get a job as a lawyer. And in my first year after university, I went to 30 um, interviews uh, applying for legal jobs, and I didn't get any of those jobs. Now, this was in a time when legal jobs were, were you know, hard to get, but not that hard to get. Um, and I didn't have a uh, an amazingly good qualification. It was a solid qualification. Um, but it was clear to me from those interviews that I didn't get the jobs because people could not understand how a person who was blind could operate as a lawyer. And and obviously, um, you know, that constitutes discrimination. And uh, so in the end, I sat the public service exam in New South Wales and took a job as a um, a clerical assistant, which was the bottom level of the New South Wales public service. And I used to joke at that time, you know, that I was the only clerical assistant in the New South Wales public service with a law degree. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and so I learned that what people who um, have disabilities and what peer, people from other disadvantaged groups uh, experience um, is that we just have to prove prove ourselves over and over and over again to advance in our careers. And that bar is not placed on uh, other people. So that's, to me, was a very real demonstration of discrimination. Wow. You said you're able to joke about it, Graham, but it does sound, it, and it must have been incredibly frustrating. Um, and to know that it's not just you, it's being experienced by other people with disabilities and that's that's a big uh, percentage of Australian society. Was there a moment you realised you could stand up to discrimination on behalf of other people and not just what you were facing as well? Well, one of the things that I learned um, very early in my life was the value of um, support, support from my family, um, support from my peer groups and um from my early 20s, I became a member of um, advocacy organisations. Um, the one that I was very much involved with, there were two really, was Blind Citizens Australia and um, People with Disabilities Australia. I learned so much from other people in those organisations who had experienced similar discrimination to myself um, and were prepared to share their lessons they're learning uh, what they had learned um, with me and that provided me with uh, a great deal of uh, support and encouragement and so I suppose I among many other people uh, with disabilities in those organizations uh, recognize that by grouping together in the same way as you know trade unions or, or other interest groups we could work as a group um, to challenge the discrimination we experienced and um, gain support from each other. And I, I think that was really, for me, the, the dawning of, um, uh, of advocacy uh, activities, which uh, in part or played a big part in the career that I've had. The collective action, I guess, you're describing, I've uh, heard you say, Graham, that you've seen kind of green shoots of progress from there, uh, addressing discrimination against people with disabilities, but then also uh, against other minorities as well. Is there examples of where you've seen the best progress achieved? And 
what made the difference to to drive the biggest successes? Well, um, when I joined the Human Rights Commission, uh, I was first appointed as Disability Discrimination Commissioner and Human Rights Commissioner. And one of the things that we do at the um, we did at the commission was to conduct inquiries into uh, areas of discrimination. And so um, the first proposal that was put before me by the policy team at the Human Rights Commission was the um, same-sex, same-entitlements inquiry. Um, Because we had done research um, in the area of um, uh, people um, with diverse uh, sexual orientations, and um, we discovered that there were at least 100 laws in Australia which discriminated against people simply because of who they loved. Uh, And um, it just, for me, when this proposal was presented to me, was a no-brainer. This was a clear area where the Human Rights Commission could um, make a difference to a whole lot of people in Australia um, if we could persuade government to change those laws. And the way that we did that was that we conducted a national um, inquiry. Um, This is back in... 2006, 2007, um, and we went round the uh, the country, gathering stories from um, people in the GLBTIQ uh, community, and from um, members of families of people uh, who were in that community, of how they were impacted by these laws, um, how um, they. Uh, the tax benefits that were available to other couples weren't available to them. The childcare support that was available to other couples wasn't available to them. The um, the difference in uh, social security benefits that were mm-hmm. available to other couples weren't available to them. And the laws went on and on. There was a hundred of them, as I said. And um, so we gathered these stories, shared them with the broader community through the media, and then put our recommendations to government. And um, that was um, that was under the Rudd-Gillard government, and um, uh, we were able to persuade that government to change those laws so that um, people weren't discriminated against uh, in all of those ways. And for me, that was a real opportunity to address what was a blatant uh, form of discrimination that existed in our law, and to use the um, the position that I held uh, as commissioner to work with the GLBTIQ community um, to uh, to challenge those laws and have them overturned. It must have been an incredible project to work on. And I think it's so interesting you kind of highlight it was that storytelling that was actually really central to, to changing minds and, and shifting eventually law. Is that something you've, through that process, kind of seen can have a bigger role in in addressing discrimination more broadly? I think um, storytelling is a very powerful way to convey a message. And, uh, you know, First Nations Australians uh, have known this for 60,000 to 80,000 years. Um, you know, their, their, um, their whole culture and um, knowledge has been passed down through the telling of stories. And um, we learn when we are kids the value of of telling stories. And I know that um, 
you know, I've given speeches 10, 15, and 20 years ago, and people come up to me and say, I saw you speak um, at a function. I don't remember where the function was, but you told a story about dot, dot, dot. And so I, I understand the power of um, storytelling and how it can create change. And you are right, Mary, that is exactly what we did. We gathered those stories and we told those stories um, uh, to reinforce the message that these laws discriminated simply because of who they loved, who people loved. And um, that resonated with the Australian community. Um, and so uh, it gained the uh, support of government to, to change those laws. But um, storytelling um, had a big impact. And when I joined um, Central Queensland University, uh, one of the things that I said um, at my um, uh, investiture was uh, that um, I'm a storyteller. Um, that there's, I realise the value of stories and the power that they have in um, in gaining support and changing people's minds and thinking. And um, so that's something that I hope to carry through uh, in my time uh, as Chancellor, um, sharing that uh, that capacity and uh, hoping that it helps me and the Council of the University to guide the strategic strategic direction of of CQU. It's really exciting and especially, you know, you've seen a lot of really positive change in your time and through your work, Graham. On the flip side, a lot hasn't changed when it comes to inclusion and that's people with disability inclusion and more broadly and probably a lot of people with disabilities still face that same um unfair judgment that you faced when you were applying for jobs back at the start of your career. What are the most frustrating to you discriminatory practices you're still seeing? And yeah, what is stopping the shift that we need to see? Um, I think overall what stops the shift that we need to see in all of these areas, whether it's disadvantage um as a result of being um, an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander Australian, disadvantages as a result of being a um, gay or lesbian Australian or a member of the queer community, um, disadvantages as a result of um, being a person with a disability. Um, I think the shift we need to see is um, changing the attitudes of people towards that disadvantaged community. You know, it's almost um, in our... Um, in our DNA to make negative assumptions about a community which is not our community, um, about a community that's different. You know, we did it for decades, hundreds of years perhaps, about women, and we treated women um, uh, less favourably than, than men. And then um, it expanded to other groups. Um, no one in the trade is othering. You know, we put... Mm -hmm people in in another situation they're not like us and because they're not like us we um the sort of default assumption is that um we we have a negative um uh and limiting approach towards them and that's the thing i think that's at the root of all um discrimination or inappropriate treatment of uh disadvantaged communities and what we have to do is is um, turn that mindset around and recognize the huge value that diverse communities bring to us the huge value that um, people who have made the 
amazing um, and really difficult decision to leave their country where they live and come and live in Australia and contribute to our community. I, I think that's a it's an awesomely difficult decision to make and mm. um, there must be really pressing circumstances to make that decision. But hundreds of thousands of people have done it over the years in Australia. Um, you know, the, the things that um, when Australia was uh, colonised by white settlers, the, the negative assumptions and treatment of the first Australians who had a working and effective culture uh, here in Australia but we 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 diminished that culture. We impacted on it in terms of the um, the the health impacts. We impacted on it by um, taking land uh, which was never ceded to us. Mm. Um, so we did all of those things um, because of those negative assumptions about that culture, which was a uh, also a strong and thriving culture, but it's just different to white culture. Um, and 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 you can see that parallel right throughout the various groups of people who experience disadvantage in our society. And I suppose bottom line for me is that I just see those assumptions as not fair, as not not taking a um, an approach where we, we deal with the individual, where we welcome the contribution that the individual can make, and where we cherish the benefits of a, a diverse or different society. Um, not only does that diminish the um, the people in that disadvantaged group, but we as a society as a whole lose out because um, we're not getting the benefits of the contributions that people with disabilities, people from um, from culturally and linguistically different backgrounds, uh, women, uh, GLBTIQ people can make to the community if we if we didn't make those assumptions. So for me, that's what. Um, discrimination is all about and 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 for me that's the importance of diversity and you know one of the reasons i came to cqu was because that value set set which has been a thread uh, through all of my life is really um close to the value set of um central queensland university one of our five values is that we are inclusive and um and the whole purpose of this university is to support um, people who experience disadvantage um, for the reasons I've set out or because they're in come from regional and remote areas uh, and um, don't have the same opportunities to um, to gain an education, which can be the pathway out of that disadvantage. Um, that's my value set to a T. So um, when I had the opportunity to um, to have to take this job, uh, leading that that university, um, it just ticked all the boxes for me, and that's why I'm so excited to be here now. That is amazing and encouraging to hear, Graham. You've described in there, you know, a, a lot of sectors of society that aren't getting a fair go. You've also said that the othering, you know, maybe it's a natiness, but we've we've got to find a way past that. Um, who has the responsibility for that and who would you like to see in Australian society doing a bit more heavy lifting on ending othering and giving people a fair go? All of us. We all have the responsibility because that's the only way we'll change it. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt um, said that, um, you know, some people assume that as a uh, as a small person in society, as a uh, as a person who's not well known in society, that they can't make a difference. Uh, 
But in fact, individuals are the only people who can make a difference. And so we all have that responsibility. We all have the responsibility to recognise um, uh, as members of the community how much better our community can be if we remove those sorts of assumptions or that othering that I've talked about and just um, work with people to uh, enable people to um, to make the the best contribution that they can to uh, you know to to give their best selves to whatever it is working learning or um, general society so that's a responsibility of all of us um, and interestingly um, Mary sometimes it means that we have to um, give away a little bit to um, to carry out that responsibility um, that we have to give away that assumption that oh well um, you know, women won't be able to uh, be as effective as tradespeople as men were, because um, you know um, uh, of of some um, way that they may be perceived. That um, First Nations people uh, won't um, or can't have the same opportunities because they won't be able to deliver in the community in the same way that white people um, can. That people mm. with disabilities. Um, uh, won't be able to do jobs, and I talked about my own experience um, because of their disability. We have to, we have to step aside from that and recognise that um, all of those people in those groups, as well as the group we're in, should have an equal opportunity to demonstrate their capacities, and that um, and that society will be better off if we allow that to occur. Okay, it sounds like a lot of work ahead for all of us, but very necessary work. And speaking of work ahead, you've you've said a lot of lovely things about CQU. No organisation is perfect. Uh, so since you started as Chancellor in December, what opportunities have you seen, Graham, to improve inclusion and end discriminatory practices that might be happening? Well, you know, apart from the um, the whirlwind that was the first week of uh, my um, investiture as chancellor, where I um, where I officiated at three or four different graduations in uh, um, in in Rockhampton, Bundaberg, and Gladstone. Um, you know, this week um, uh, and and the weeks leading up to um, Zero Discrimination Day, when this podcast will be heard, um, are the first time that I've had my opportunity to sit down, uh, put my feet under the desk and really start to understand CQU. So I'm at the very start of a journey here, Mary, but um, uh, I, I am learning things about the university. And of course, no organisation is perfect. Every organisation um, strives to uh, to do better. Another one of our values is, is leadership. And um, it's really key for us to demonstrate that throughout um, CQU. Um, and 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 we want to um, do better at, uh, uh, at at making learning uh, more broadly available and also at impactful um, research. So they're the sorts of things that we need to um, aspire to. Um, and um, you know, just to give you an example of of one of the things that I've seen since I started here, um, I was really concerned at the graduations that I went to that um, a number of them, not all of them, but a number of them were in venues where a person with mobility disabilities would not have been able to uh, walk onto the stage 
and or move onto the stage, maybe a person using a wheelchair, and receive their degree. And, you know, our degree ceremonies are a window to um, to the world for our university, and we want to show what our uh, university can do to include everyone. So um, since the, that graduation week last December, we've started to um, move down a path where um, our degree ceremonies will be accessible to everyone, not just the 80% of people without a disability. And that's that's not the only thing we need to do, but it's the, it's the first thing we need to do because um, uh, it is uh, the window to to what we are and it's, it's, it's part of how we show the world what we are. We have families who come along to those graduations and um, uh, to, to recognise uh, the, the, what their, um, the student in their family has achieved. And we want them to see that CQU includes everyone. So we're now on a pathway to change that um, so that um, all of our um, platforms uh, will be accessible to all students. Now, that's just one thing. You know, there's a whole lot of ways that we can keep improving, and and um, and continual improvement is a real focus um, that I that I have for the organisation, um, and it comes from all of us. All of us have to contribute to that that process of, uh, um, you know, as staff at CQU bringing our best selves to work, as students at CQU bringing our best selves to study, um, to get those sorts of results. So that's how I'm hoping to lead the organisation um, as Chancellor for the next few years. Great to know that work is is underway and definitely a necessary change. Hmm. Um, Graham, finally, you've spoken a lot about your values and the values you share with CQU. And uh, when you addressed all staff for the first time, um, you told them that values should be infectious, which I love. Uh, what do you see as the essential infectious values that uh, CQU staff and students are going to need to spread to end discrimination? Well, um, I think um, we have uh, five values and um, um, they're all a key part of of the DNA of the university. That's what we we need them to be so that every day we're, deliver we're living those values and delivering on those values. Um, in terms of ending discrimination, which I know is the focus of this particular day, um, the inclusive value is the one that I that I would um, come back to. If we make sure that we aren't limiting people from different disadvantaged groups and making assumptions about them that uh, are usually negative and usually wrong, then we're going to find that as a community, whether it's as a university community or as an Australian community, we have um, more to put into the community um, and um, and therefore we'll have a stronger, better, more effective, more diverse community. That's CQ University Chancellor Graham Innes reminding us what we all have to gain by being truly inclusive and ending discrimination. To learn more about CQ University's values and its inclusive education, you can visit cqu.edu.au. You've been listening to How to Change a Life by CQ University Podcasts. Theme music is Wings by CQU alumnus Tristan Barton. And if How to Change a Life has got you thinking about where you're headed, we'd love to hear. You can follow CQU across social media where there's highlights from all our episodes 
and subscribe to How to Change Your Life wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll be first to hear when the new series launches next week. We're sitting there on the log, Trevor and I, and we're sitting around waiting, waiting, waiting. And I said to Trevor, this is really frustrating. They should have engaged someone here locally. Yeah, we could have done this. Trevor said to me, how do you think we feel? And that was a light bulb moment for both of us because I'm thinking, yeah, mate, you know, you guys have been around here for 60,000 years. Why aren't your people doing the sampling? Why aren't your people looking after the country? I'm dealing with investors. I'm dealing with auditors. I'm dealing with bankers. Capital raises in the you know, probably close to half a billion uh, over the, the last 10, 15 years easy. And the, the financial knowledge that I have was exactly what I learned at, at CQU. Till then, stay safe and have a life-changing day.